What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Ah, uh, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball, and you just stand back there and throw us where you want to go. You know, and that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Having some fun this morning on Coffee and Cream here on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln, live on Twitter, live on YouTube. Happy to have you with us and happy to have Sam McEwen with us now on the show. He's the sports editor and Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald and Husker Extra. Sam, good morning. What's up, Sam? We got him. Good morning, guys. Oh, there he I'm is. Here. Yeah, I don't know exactly what happened there. <laughs> hey, that's, he heard his intro and he was just in wow. Well, he might still be traumatized from school drop-off. Have we Ooh. done that yet, Sam, or where are we yeah, at with that? Yeah, we're done. We're done with it. We got it done early today. <laughs> <laughs> I said, the guys are calling me at 8 o'clock. I got to get this done, man. Let's go. What's that? Oh, Sam. Hey, we were just, uh, as a follow-up to our last segment, we were talking um, about some Nebraska visitors and then competition that, that's now led within the program. And uh, I, I had tossed something DB's way about how Matt Rule seems to gravitate to the comeback just when he went to Temple and then he went to Baylor and then he comes to Nebraska. Not only was that a comeback for him, but for the program. And even with certain players, with Xavier Betts, IGC, now uh, Eric Gilbert. Uh, do you see that being a, a trend for, for Matt Rule, too? Yeah, absolutely. I think he, uh, you know, he, he's drawn to a kind of a resurrection pro- project. You know, like I think he, he may struggle to take over a situation where it's already all kind of set and done. Like, like if Kirby Smart were to leave Georgia and go to the NFL, you know, Rule may not necessarily love going to a program that's already made. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think he likes the idea of turning something around. Um, something's going in the wrong direction, and he wants to take it in the right direction. And there's a lot to uh, to do at Nebraska on that regard, you know. And, and yeah, they they are taking a little bit of a chance on Gilbert. Sure, uh, he's pretty talented so you know if you can get him going then he's probably going to be the player on the field which is helpful but um yeah i think he's drawn to that uh he's drawn to that kind of comeback mentality and and that's certainly what nebraska is this this is the toughest of the the three head coaching jobs he's had in college it was it was interesting um i was listening to some hassan reddick bites from this past weekend and he was talking about his journey it automatically, of course, made me think of Coach Rule because I know that relationship. I think of Robbie Anderson. I think of all uh, – I think of recruiting to Temple. I think of having to toe the line in Waco. How much of this do you think gives you confidence because 
he's already put parameters in place before with a track record to get the desired discipline that they need to be successful on the field? Well, I think it, it gives you some confidence, yes. Um, you know, I think the, the challenge he's going to have at Nebraska that I don't know that he had. I, I know he didn't have I doubt he had a Temple. And I, I doubt he actually had a Baylor, too, is this sense of, you know, whether the team wins or not, you're kind of a superstar. Mm. And uh, you know, I kind of wrote a little bit about that today in my rewind about how the, the program makes $97 million. And they did that in the year when they went 3-9, and nine, and the South trick was almost to expire. So, you know, I mean, the challenge that, that Rule has is, is getting the team to embrace an internal standard that has nothing to do with sort of outside affirmation in the offseason, which almost always happens, and then in the season criticism. And then what I've found, you know, in recent or historically with Nebraska in the last 10 years or so, is that criticism is over is over-ingested, and then that becomes part of the narrative that, that people don't appreciate us and nobody but us. And, and then that's not a helpful impulse either. So we'll have to try to change some of the wiring there. And uh, that, that to me is going to be a challenge. I think, I think Scott struggled to do that. You know, I, I think um, what Scott wanted was, and you know, and you know more about this than I do is I, ideally Scott Ross wanted a team that was sort of loose and tough and, didn't give a crap and, you know, and just kind of played fast and, you know, shut out all the outside noise. Well, for one thing, I think Frost had a hard time shutting out the outside noise. And I think the players did too, both in praise and criticism. So I think what rules got to get, you know, got to get these guys is to a place where they're not worried about what the outside noise is. Uh, Sam, something was interesting to me, um, I can't remember who tweeted out. Somebody from the staff was talking about congratulations. It might have been Coach Foley. I'm not sure. Um, to the competition week and the team that was awarded the point and hoping to carry it into next week. Man, and I remember a conversation with a, a guy that I had on the previous staff about how they wanted to incorporate competition into everything. And they, it has to be more than just competition Tuesday, that guys bring their own juice. And I'm like, in my head, I remember thinking, well, if it's more than just about competition Tuesday, why don't we make the competitions more than just Tuesday, right? That was like my conventional wisdom. But I didn't know enough to know if they weren't competing on a daily basis. How much of when you're building that culture you know, from the onset that it is a daily thing for those guys to fall back on because for all intents and purposes you hope that they won't know any better than to compete on a daily basis yeah i mean i think that's that's a really good point um i think nebraska's football team at least was 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 competitive a lot in like recent years like they didn't quit mm -hmm. per se um i think that what i would say is that there was there wasn't always a cohesive approach to how you're going to win a football game. And I do think good, we'll good point. them there. Good point. Um, uh, Scott, Scott, man, I'm not a football coach, okay? You are. I, I think Scott's got 
a lot to learn about that. I, I, I mean, there were things that would happen within the context of games that I don't think Matt Rule's going to make the same mistakes. I just uh, there were there were decisions that Frost would make, or the idea that you win a coin toss and then you want to run your team out there and try to score right away, and then it doesn't work, and then you're behind. You know, and, uh, he didn't. I don't know that he always knew how to win games in the Big Ten. I think Rule will be better there, but they were competitive. I, I think, just speaking broadly. I think that the competitiveness ethos is not just trying hard mm-hmm. and not caring a lot, but preparing for how you're going to do it. So having a good plan, having a good you know outlook on how you're going to do that, and what resilience looks like. Now, I think Nebraska was pretty resilient at times under Frost. They, they didn't quit in a lot of their games. They did one to Riley. Um, so, you know, I think they had some qualities, but I think the preparation piece – I think Nebraska often struggled under Frost to figure out how they were going to go about winning a game. And oftentimes this led to very close games that maybe shouldn't have been, or it led to hideous first quarters that they were never able to get out of. And I think that's an area where Matt Rule is going to, is going to change you know, some of the things they do. We're speaking with Sam McEwen at SWMcEwenOWH on Twitter. Sam, you talk about being competitive and um, certain offensive struggles. We saw that with the line last year, but uh, even still uh, in the football game last night, Cincinnati's uh, offensive line wasn't the healthiest, and they still were able to perform. So with guys coming back on this offensive line and knowing that Nebraska has already missed out on uh, a trio of of portal entries, former portal entries, I should say, uh, a name that was up in Nebraska this past weekend was Jacob Hood. And uh, if that could be a guy that gets added, uh, what – what do you think is best best case for Nebraska right now? Is it you know finding a guy like Hood and, and adding to that offensive line and, and taking a guy over from a program that just won a national championship, or is it you know just continuing to to work what you got? Well, I, I think they wouldn't have brought Jacob up if they hadn't thought they needed another body. Mm-hmm. Um, they have lost some offensive linemen. Uh, and the transfer portal, and also, I think there's a one, at least one, and maybe two that are just not going to play anymore. Uh, Matt Rule wants to have a big offensive line and wants to lean on teams. I, I'm not sure the guy they brought up is a tackle. <laughs> he's pretty big, and he's not. I wouldn't describe his movement skills as great. So I don't know. Maybe, they, but they maybe they will put him at tackle. Um, he's one of the few transfers they're adding where I think there's an understanding that it could be multiple years before you see him contribute on the field. You know, I don't think he's going to be like a starter next year or anything. So uh, I do, I do think there's a very good chance that he joins the team and, and becomes, you know, a reserve. And I, if we're going to have this system where you can add as many scholarship players a year and the transfer portal exists, I think you're going to see teams like Nebraska uh, add a lot of guys every single year and play the numbers game and just basically say, hey, you know, we're going to add 35. It doesn't, it guarantees you a spot on this year's team. It doesn't guarantee you a spot on next year's team. And you're going to have to battle for your position until you become a starter. And, and I think that's a, that may be a bottom line, tough minded way of looking at it. But I think that's where Nebraska's going. They're, they're going to, it's going to be a competitive spring. And there's going to be some guys who leave the program because they don't have a spot in the roster. 
it's uh, it's eerily eerily similar, except they had bigger numbers in ter- to use until it got trimmed down. But it's once upon a time it seemed like Nebraska would sign twenty five, and you're like, how are they signing twenty five guys every year? Now you this year he signs twenty some odd guys, and he's adding eight nine from the portal. I kind of like the fact, Sam, that I don't think any good chefs can cook without knowing how to trim fat. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, they're going to learn, I think, pretty quickly. I Every addition, I think, probably has a spot on next year's team. I don't know that they have, a, like, a spot after that. And there's some guys that have returned to the program who um, – you know, may want to stay in the program, but but may find that they're fourth or fifth string, and and they're you know the writing is on the wall. And you know, I think you're going to see a little bit of that with a walk-ons too. How advantageous, Sam? Do you think it is that the new coaches get the ten scholarships, where you can keep guys on scholarship, but they're not playing football, where that can buy you some. Well, you don't have to go home, but you just can't play football. You have to retire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's good. Um, you know, there, there's there's some kids that um, clearly their future is in something else. Uh, it's not going to be in professional football, at, whether that's at the uh, NFL or CFL or uh, XFL level. And that, that's an opportunity for those guys to, you know, to pursue that. Without without losing, you know their their status as a academically or as a scholarship athlete. Yeah, it's you got to do that sometimes. It's just interesting, right? Because with only thirteen real seniors that can exhaust eligibility, mm-hmm. one of them's you know uh, Marco Ortiz. He's got a long snap. Two are Braxton Clark and Tyreek Johnson. We haven't seen Tyreek Johnson since I don't know when. Uh, one Hunter Anthony, Stephon Wynn Jr. Um, you know, like some of those guys, Sam, for as young as Nebraska is in some key spots, they appear to be old in the middle. The redshirt freshmen, the sophomores, and the juniors. You have to like the way that that's trending, don't you? Yeah, I do. I mean, I I, I don't know that I, I – I think the defensive line is, is a question mark and, and needs to – you know, needs to be needs to be watched closely. Um, I'm not really of the thought that it's just going to be a plug and play on defense. I think when you change your scheme and mm-hmm. um, the Big Ten offenses last year were historically bad. Like you're not going to get another year like that. It, it's just very unlikely. I'm not saying we're going to go back to 2011 offenses when they were really good, but uh, although this, these were historically bad. Although Sam, hang on. Could I make the case that Wisconsin and Illinois and potentially Northwestern, I, get, I, I agree with you, I, you know, Iowa should be bad, but Purdue's going to come back to the pack. Wisconsin's starting a new offense. Illinois will be playing a new quarterback without DeVito. Are you sure that you, that you see an uptick in offense across the board? Or it's just not as bad as it was a year ago? Well, I think that's a reasonable question. I, I think Wisconsin will actually have uh, a more explosive offense. Well, just um, flipping over to air raid, huh? <laughs> they ran. They kind of ran aground. 
last year. No, I um, get it. Purdue, no, 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 no. I, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see what Purdue's offense does and what they decide to do. I also think the defenses may not be as good. And, of course, the defenses not being as good has a positive effect on the offense. Um, no, I mean, if you just look at the offenses last year, they got historically bad. I mean, Iowa's offense was awful. Wisconsin's offense was really bad, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, uh, so I, I, I think there's a, yeah, I, actually I would say just statistically speaking, the offenses, even if it doesn't look like it at this moment, will be better next year. Iowa's will be better. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think some of the others will too. And, and I think Nebraska can duplicate what they did on offense last year and maybe even be a little better. I, I think they've got enough players and I, I think they're going to have, I don't know, like, I, take, I think what they're going to come up with is going to be more cohesive than what Nebraska's offense became once Frost got let go and and Whipple was just doing whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah, one like of the schools, it, it, it didn't go well. One of the schools that's interesting is Minnesota because of the staff turnover, and Coach Fleck will be uh, here Wednesday. But uh, do you feel like you have a good handle on Minnesota with – you're going to have co-coordinators. They bend the model of consistency for the most part. I think defensively they won't skip a beat. They, um, you know, they get one of their guys back in the fold from Syracuse. It's really familiar with that staff. Coach Collins is still there. Like, I think Minnesota will be okay defensively. Does that offense interest you? Well, it looks like they're going to try to incorporate a dual-threat quarterback versus having a quarterback who runs and then having Tanner Morton. Um, and to be clear, like the Big Ten West gets one more year of this, one more. <laughs> After that, all of these teams in the West have to think about how they're going to beat UCLA, USC, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Maryland would have won, may have won the Big Ten West last year. Maryland. And Maryland had the misfortune of having to play all three of those teams, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. The Big Ten champion, or the Big Ten West champion, got to avoid Michigan and Ohio State and hosted Penn State and lost in the season opener. So, like, there's, there's a relationship between your record and how many of these teams you actually have to play and, like, how easy that is. If I, I if I'm not mistaken, I believe Minnesota avoided Michigan and Ohio State too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all these teams know that starting in 2024, you're, you're not going to be able to roll out a 280 yard offense that scores 18 points and 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 finish better than sixth or seventh in the Big Ten. And so all of a sudden, that nine and four record goes to seven and six or six and seven. And people don't feel as good about your win, win total. That's why what Nebraska's been the last three or four years is so disappointing because they had such an incredible opportunity. I, I don't, uh, I don't know, Sam. You, USC and UCLA are going to have to figure out how to block some people. I, you may mm-hmm. be surprised. Caleb Williams has only got one more year, and he's not coming to the Big Ten. This is true. Um, you know, DTR has played his 56th year in, in Pasadena. I understand that. Um, and I understand that USC lost twice to Utah, which is probably the most like the Big Ten in the way that they play football. But 
you still have – I mean, Minnesota is playing <laughs> USC. That's different than Ohio State. Yeah, I'm like, with you. Oh, okay, Ohio State's going to beat USC by 14. Minnesota's not going to beat USC scoring 16 points. And I think they beat – I don't know who they beat last year, but, you know, like Iowa beat Minnesota, I don't know, 17 to 10. They, you're not going to be able to just do that. Mm. And so they're going to have to figure out ways to score. And I think that's, I think that's a big impetus behind why Wisconsin did what it did. I think they look at, they want to win a championship. They want to win a Big Ten championship. And they knew that what they had on board isn't going to do it. Mm. And, and he could win, he could have won eight or nine per year. Can't, 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 can't wait to watch that like, offense around October, or, you know, Halloween and in November in Madison. I agree. That'll I, be fun. We, it, we watched it when Tim Beck was at Nebraska. Like, it did not work. Uh, it lost to Wisconsin and all those things. So, like, I, I can appreciate that they're taking a risk. And as I'd written before, they're basically swapping out identities and doing the thing that Nebraska willingly did back in 03. And I think, you know, Chris McIntosh is doing something that I think a lot of ADs wouldn't do. But you have to ask yourself, do you want to win a championship? Yes, you do. You can't do what they're doing. I'll tell you that's what. the end. And so that's the challenge. I'll tell you what. I've been sitting there for like, what, I think 15 minutes uh, just in reflect mode of what both of you guys were saying. And, you know, I, I kind of just brought to this last point. I mean, uh, what, do you think it, what do you think you favor on? Do you favor on game management when you look at the Big Ten? Because you're, you don't have to score a lot of points to win in the Big Ten when you're facing against a team like maybe a USC, UCLA potentially. Or do you favor the offense that they bring in from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten that we all kind of think the Big Ten is evolving toward? Well, to some degree, game management is dictated by whatever you know schedule or framework you have to deal with. And so, like, for many years, we've had this split between the two sides. The three best programs were on the East. That was, you know, since 2018, the three best programs have been on the East. And so now you have to recalibrate that because there won't be any divisions starting in 2024. There's a good chance that you're going to stay at nine games. Um, and that playoff thing starts to come into play. And the challenge, for, for example, now... T.J. Fleck can make a playoff, you know, a 12-team playoff. You can make that. Couldn't make the four. He could have won 11 games, and he wouldn't have made the four. In fact, he did win 11 games and didn't get any close to making the four. Now that you can make the 12, you have to think about how you schedule because now that these committee members have an opportunity to reward or punish teams for how they schedule in the non-conference, T.J. Fleck's going to have to look into a mirror and ask himself if New Mexico State and and Valdosta State and South Dakota State are the three teams that he really wants to play. It was very helpful for him when he wanted to win football games. But to make the playoff, you may mm-hmm. have to do something a little harder than that. And so, like, there's, there's all the ways that you kind of look at, like, here's, your, here's what you have to deal with. Here are the teams you have to play. And you, your, your management of a game is dictated to some degree by that. Let me, let me add this, that I think there are often teams – that don't do a very good job of trying to win the football game in front of them because they're, they're set on doing things that are, uh, you know, endemic to their identity. So a fast-tempo team 
who's playing Ohio State, shouldn't go fast. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna lose. <laughs> or do you want to do you want to win the game, or do you want to prove a point? And, oh. and that's why I think that's one of the. Or there's teams that won't run the triple option because it's not cool. Do you want to be cool, or do you want to win seven games? Fair lot point. Don't want to, lot of coaches don't want to win seven games. They want to do it their way, and if they fail, then they can go get an offensive coordinator job at a cool school. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how people are. Sam, you're the best, man. We appreciate it. Take Thanks, care. Sam. All right. <laughs> Carrie Miller's next.